This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guest on Off the Shelf is Joanne Wojtek. Joanne is the program manager for NASA Soup and NASA Soup is currently on NASA Soup 5, uh, the fifth generation of this uh, highly successful contract vehicle. Joanne, it's uh, great to have you join the show. Thank you for having me. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we're, if I recall correctly, right, they we're at the, in the second option period and the contract is going to, con- you know, the period of performance ends in 2025. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about that. But first, I, you know, I think just to recap where you all are over the, you know, the current NASA Soup 5 contract performance, you know, the first option period. And now you're getting to halfway through the second option. Can you talk about, you know, the growth uh, profile? Because it's quite significant. Yes. Uh, so it, it's significant, but. Interestingly enough, I've been with Soup since the beginning, and I don't think we've ever had a year that didn't include growth, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, but we did have in Soup 5 um, even bigger growth than expected or, or ever before. Um, when we were in 2016, we were just under $4 billion in total um, obligated funds through either new orders or mods to orders. Um, and we ended last fiscal year at over $10 billion. Uh, that's for the B. Um, and um, it, it's as, as surprising to us as perhaps to other people, um, just how how quickly we grew. Um, and uh, but also very satisfying, I think, to the staff and to and, and that it shows that we must be on the right path to helping our, our government folks purchase their IT needs. Yeah, that's um, that's a, that's a great that's a great trend. I would love to have that <laughs> uh, in terms of growth. Can you, can we, let's start, but first is talking about your customer base, you know, defense versus civilian. Who are the, who are, who are the folks that are using it and who have you seen, you know, sort of join, join the party, so to speak. So, so soup is always part of ourselves. And we are, we are a GWAC, we might actually contract vehicle. Uh, and um, you know, we've, we are actually the only contract vehicle outside of GSA that um, every federal agency uses. Um, so you name a federal agency, a commission, a group, uh, anybody in that federal space, um, there is some part of them, if not all of part of that, that group that uses our contract at one time or another. Um, but in the in the greater scheme of things, obviously some, some uses more. Uh, DOD is always... Number one, they're well over 40% of our, our usage is, is from the, the Defense Department, including Army, Air Force, and Navy uh, combined. Um, the next two after that are, are Department of Justice and Veterans Affairs. Um, and and um, they, 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 that hasn't changed much. In fact, the top 10 has not changed much in terms of usage, except for the recent addition of Homeland Security. Um, who used to be two years ago would not have been found very high in the chart at all. 
uh, but now is in the top 10 in terms of, of usage. And that uh, that is in part due to a lot of outreach by our team to work with them, to have them understand how to use these contracts and um, and to really position uh, position us to help them get their job done and show how that can be done. So um, that's a, a nice success story for us to see, see some an agency that, that was pretty insular about using somebody else's contracts um, to, to have them move up in that, that realm. So, yeah, along the lines of agent DHS, did you, in terms of training for folks, are you, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you do with regard to training customers and industry on the vehicle? Um, well, we used to do something different two years ago, but <laughs> um, right. since, 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 since COVID, um, you know, it, it's actually, we haven't stopped reaching out, but obviously it's been been virtual more so, uh, obviously totally. Um, but we've continued the as best we could uh, during these past two years with um, with meetings, with with lots of um, lots of uh, teams meetings and, and such uh, virtual meetings. Um, we have you know continued to attend any virtual conference that we were able to, um, and just really. Being responsive when when a customer comes to us and and working with them, uh, working not just with the, the the customer who wants to use us, but having a team that can work with the contracting staff at that agency, to, with the procurement staff, with the legal staff. Um, that that we we are comfortable working with all of those groups that are needed to make an agency comfortable. That what we and the CIO should get that very important that that what we provide is a a platform that they can use to build um, their acquisition needs upon um, without having to reinvent the, the wheel and and once we get in there and, and start talking with them and we have a team called the fast team that um, led by, by one of the deputies for soup by Darlene Cohn um, just a, does a fantastic job of, of finding those folks who who have those questions and and Giving them that 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 um, that feel that that we're going to be there to help them and and to understand what they want and give them the tools that they need. Um, so that that's been a major part of the of particularly something like a, a DHS, where again they're they're not going to just come use you without really understanding how it fits within their culture. So um, a lot of meetings, a lot of lot of um, back and forth with emails, um, and again being ready to answer. Any any question as best we can um, from any end of the of the spectrum. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had folks embedded in uh, in in agencies like in just teaching, but I but I so, then I remembered we had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> right, but but we had one thing that we did institute um, in the past few years uh, that is relatively new is um, we used to take the the attitude of well everybody's the same, so we're just going to have you know customer service, and if you need a if you have a problem, just call customer service. Um, and, and while we still want everybody to think they're all the same, <laughs> uh, when we get to some of our some of the, the larger um, agency usages, or, or it might be within an agency, a major group within an agency that that has some some very um, strong requirements that that we need to understand. We have a new group called the liaison group, customer liaisons, who um, who become more of a one on one specialist with that with that agency. Um, hopefully learn more about about their specific needs so that they can respond more quickly to them or point them to the right place within soup itself um, to, to help them get their, their particular needs done. And um, NASA's one of those liaisons, uh, DHS is one. 
Um, we have one for Navy. Um, and I believe we're adding an interior one, Department of Interior. So as, as we see the needs, we'll keep expanding that, that group of liaisons out. So in, in those, the, the agency's needs, do they run the gamut from we have certain, you know, technical requirements or, you know, capabilities that we need or security levels versus we're trying to support small businesses? Does it run the gamut? Um, it can run the gamut. We we don't get we don't, we don't get as much because we cover all the technical needs you could want. It's more understanding that or building um, what we call an agency catalog or a marketplace. It's kind of more the language that that we're using as we move forward. Of uh, uh, that you have DHS lots of security needs, obviously. So um, so they um, rather than saying, well, just come use us. What are those particular needs? How can we build that? NASA has a a, um, a, a uh, a list of, of IT products that and services that are approved by the CIA. We have now a marketplace with, where NASA folks can go to and buy what they need. So understanding what, what they need and, and molding our, our, um, our systems, our processes so that we can meet those needs um, or show them how to, how to you know, change their processes to meet those needs. Sometimes it's, it's a combination of both. Um, so it's, it's as with many things, it's, it's, it's going out and listening to what each each agency is looking for, and and making sure that they understand that we can find ways to work with them. Right, that's interesting. Kind of tailoring a marketplace for an, an individual agency, and, and what I'm going to ask you about is as a small business perspective, because you did mention the VA is one of your biggest uh, uh-huh. you know customers or bigger customers. But when we come back from the break, I want to. And maybe turn a little bit to, you know, the profile of contractors on, on, on NASA Soup and how you're supporting small businesses in particular. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She is the program manager for NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek, the program manager for NASA Soup, the only ITGWAC that all government agencies use, um, and it's outside of GSA. Um, Joanne, um, you know, we'll let, when the, at the end of the last segment, um, you talk, we talked a little bit about the marketplace and individual agencies' needs and how you tailor, you know, sort of marketplaces or experiences, let's say, for, for certain customer agencies. Uh, another area that I, that I know is – can be a major government requirement is obviously supporting small businesses. And uh, the, the prime example of that is the Department of Veterans Affairs, you know, and their, you know, the Vets First program, you know, and the statutory the requirements they have to go to service-disabled, veteran-owned or veteran-owned companies, you know, first. Um, so can, can you talk a little bit about the VA, but then also expand beyond to just how you support small businesses in general? Sure. Um, yeah, we're very proud of that, uh, of how, how we support um, both the VA and, and then the small businesses. Uh, the VA in particular, uh, you know, obviously SDVOSBs are very important. They've actually been a part of SOUP for quite a while now, including SOUP 4 and now SOUP 5. Um, in, in the last fiscal year, 32% of the dollars went to SDVOSBs and 24% of the dollars went to VOSBs. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty significant. Um, and that's, that's overall, that's not VA's use. That's the overall use of soup. That's how many dollars went to it. So uh, that likely means it's more than just VA do, using those, uh, those small business types. 
Um, one thing that we tailored, we mentioned tailoring. Uh, so for VA, there's also a special um, VIP program that, that they, 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 you have the SDVOSB designation, but apparently there's another designation that VA puts on top of that. Um, we make sure that for VA customers that we show them which, which of those businesses on soup are actually um, uh, approved for that, for that program for VA. So um, if you're not a VA, we don't care about, about that. We don't, you know, that we just show us DVSB, but for VA customers, we'll actually uh, break it down a little bit more for them. Um, so, so that, that's been, um, really healthy. I think, um, that the 80% usage or so of, of all dollars go through small businesses. Um, I, I heard some, we were talking recently about this and it came up, well, you know, some contracts say, well, we get all of our business, small business, cause that's all we have. Um, we feel it's important to give our government customers the choice. Um, sometimes you just can't find you know, what you need through a small business and you need a large business. So we do have them on contract. So we're never going to be a hundred percent to small business, but, um, but it certainly is, you know, 80% is in, in a, what is therefore a fairly open environment for the customer to choose from. Um, it shows a, a strong leaning to use those business sizes as, as, as best can be done. Um, and, and, the, and it, then we have, we have women owned small businesses, we have hub zones and, and uh, economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses along with the, the better-known small business breakdowns. So we cover most of the of the areas of small businesses within our, our, our 140 contracts. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, uh, you have 140 contracts. Is, is it about 120 or so that are small businesses? Um, yes, I, I believe it's about that many, yes. Yeah. It's prim- so. primarily small except for, uh, yeah, we have we have one group of contracts that, that was specifically aimed to manufacturers. So when you have a Dell and HP and, and that that sort of in there, um, and then within the broader reseller, I mean, almost you know a high percentage of businesses, just a few larger ones sprinkled in. Right, and agencies get credit towards their socioeconomic well, goals if, if if they if they elect to do a set aside. Um, so okay. our system, our, our request for quote system, allows the customer to select which set aside if they want to go to, they want to use, and it will then only send out the RFQ to those companies that fit within that business designation. Right. And that, in that case too, I guess there would be, you know, a waiver of the non-manufacturer rules so that if it, because it's going to be small business distributors generally. So, uh, so in, in soup five, we, we started soup five under a, a, a given rule within the non-manufacturer rule that, that exempts um, a, a large chunk of our, our small businesses. Um, we'll have to, we are certainly looking at that for soup six as to what will, what would be the rules for that. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's an important part of it. It may change things a bit for soup six because of the, of the changes in the business rules. Right. And I'm looking forward to talking about soup six. We'll get to that. But, um, but first, uh, I think some, some more context. We talked that we touched briefly on the pandemic in the last segment and just, um, it's always interesting for me to hear, you know, you know, the common but different experiences we all have, have had in the, in the, in the context of the, the pandemic and remote work and that sort of thing. So can you first talk a little bit about, you know, your organization and how you, you know, sort of transitioned to, you know, fully remote work you know, over this time frame, And then maybe we can talk a little bit about what you see, you know, from, from an industry perspective and supply chain during that time, 
and now as well. So, so we we were fortunate in that we had already set ourselves up to provide for a telework environment, partial telework environment, just prior to the uh, pandemic hitting. Um, so we had already had our, our, our staff equipped with laptops and such, um, and it even had a, a um, an unexpected <laughs> true fire alarm in that our, our, our building caught on fire as a part of it, and we had to shut down for a week. And so uh, we had had a, a little fire drill of our own for just prior to the pandemic that turned out to be useful in terms of learning how to adjust to a, a telework environment. Um, so we were ready for it. Um, I, it we, we, I believe that we did a really good job in terms of the staff and, and, and the technology all working together to, to do the best you can. And um, as, as, I, as, as we now move back into a, uh, a hybrid environment um, this fall, I mean, not this fall, this spring in, in May, um, April and May, uh, we'll be moving back into a, a partial office and partial telework environment. Um, it's it's trying to now get get a balance of the best of the of both both worlds. Of it's nice to work at home, but it's also nice to have that interaction with your fellow staff members to know the people that are working with you and and to kind of interact with them in that 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 one on one way that you can't do no matter how much you try virtually. So um, so we'll see how it goes, but that that's our, our goal is to get back there and even be better as a, as a staff than than we have in these past two years. Um, in terms of, of supply chain, um, it, obviously there's a, there are a lot of technical areas that are being affected with the um, semiconductors in particular, and and it does make it more difficult to um, to get what you need right away. Um, we see that that frustration, but understanding for most of our customers, um, Sue continues to push our contract holders to do their best because we do rate them on this, not not to you know, beat the supply chain. If if you if the supply chain is, is a problem, it's a problem. The, the question becomes, um, if you're going to have a contract with the government, you should know what's going on. Um, so we still expect our contract holders to be honest with their customers when they're doing the quotes, when they're getting the orders. It's going to take this long. There's a delay. Be upfront with them. That's great. Don't wait till the last minute and tell them, oh, by the way, it's going to be late. So we do track that. We do. We um, and we do and we do have a constant rating of our contract holders. More so, not not so much to rate them as to let them know that we're watching to make sure they are telling their customers what's going on and, and what the what the current situation is for for the supply chain. Are you seeing has is inflation impacting your contract vehicle? It's hard to know for sure that there is so much variability in, in when you talk about IT products um, in the marketplace uh, from, yeah. from any from any day um, as right. to what what causes a change. In pricing, so um, we we our contracts are set up to be commercial in nature, in the sense that that the pricing is based on the current pricing. We're not we're not going to hold them to a you know a price from five years ago. Um, what's the current commercial price? So we do see adjustments. Um, we certainly you know, don't allow for you know just jumps in, in pricing. Um, I don't think that I've seen any significantly different level of price changes than we have in the past um but but um what happens in a situation like soup you'll have a major manufacturer you know come out with a new catalog every so often and when they do that that will they'll change the prices just in general but that's a that's a common factor anyway um 
Yeah, so I think I think the, the supply chain has been more of an issue than than not. We do hold the companies to you know to what they quote. So if they quote something, they they need to meet that price, even yeah, even if prices right. change in the meantime. Uh, but hopefully they've done their their job of you know securing their pricing when they do the quotes. Right. Well, it sounds like you have a mechanism though that provides some some flexibility for the companies to adjust their prices. It sounds a bit easier, a bit more straightforward than other some of the other contract vehicles. Right. We we we, we try to be. Um, you know, we always look at, the, at our, our role is to provide the, a fair and reasonable price, and to provide a, a reasonable place for the companies to make a reasonable profit while giving the government a a. a Fair price and, and a good acquisition uh, process, and and hopefully uh, with competition, even get perhaps the best price um, available at the time they're, they're they're purchasing. But also be able to get the, to get the item. If you don't allow for price changes, they the companies can't operate on a, at a loss. They simply won't sell the product. <laughs> so they'd right. rather have the products be available to the government. Uh, again, let the competition, let the business, let the let the process of the time determine that the pricing. Uh, is, is the correct one for the, for the government. Right. That's like the, the, the best business deals are where both sides win, right? Yes. Not one side wins and the other side loses. So, so Joanne, we're up on the break. And when you come back, um, I just, I'm, I'm going to circle back just briefly on the outreach that you described you do, you've done during the pandemic and just get a sense of what the, you're going to start doing that back in person too, as part of the, you know, back to work and that sort of thing. Um, and then perhaps we can start talking about uh, a little bit about the future and where uh, the NASA Sioux program is going. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She is the program manager for NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. And my guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She's the program manager for NASA Soup, and we're talking all things NASA Soup. Um, and Joanne, um, you mentioned in the last segment you're you know you're you're starting back to a hybrid environment, work environment, and you know I guess a sort of a soft launch perhaps in April, and then even more you know to get back to to a certain business rhythm in May. Uh, one of the things in that context too, and and you had described how you guys had and virtual outreach with your customers and all those type of engagements. Are, are you starting to see the customer and folks uh, willing to get together in person or is that something you anticipate, you know, a little bit later in the year? Yeah. So um, as, as we're talking right now, I, two years ago, I was in San Francisco and my last, uh, my last trip was to RSA conference in San Francisco. And that's when, when the pandemic hit, right when I got home. Um, and none of us have been traveling for two years. We actually had a few few meetings, and I will be heading out in a couple of weeks for my first travel in, in two years uh, to a uh, defense uh, meeting in, in San Antonio. So yes, there is. We are starting to go back out, um, meet with our customers. I, it's it's really important to me that 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 the staff, not just myself, but the entire staff, find ways to interact with customers. Um, as, as personally as possible, uh, I'm not really into surveys and such. I'm much more into listening to the customer and, and, and watching them as they interact with us. We can learn so much about what where their issues really are and how how to how to move forward. So, looking forward to that. We're, we're almost certainly going to be very hybrid oriented. 
um, especially for the next year. Um, we'll, we'll be uh, attending events when we can. NCMA is coming up uh, later this year. We'll be, we'll be fully involved in that, for example. Um, so there'll be more and more of those um, of those outreaches, but we will continue to have our WebExes. Um, we have traditionally uh, one every couple of weeks um, on our website at www.sewp.nasa.gov. There's an uh, events uh, calendar you can click on that lists the, the upcoming um, uh, places where we'll be going to. Um, training will start up again. We've been doing virtual training, but we haven't really got out to do um, one on, you know, personal one-on-ones. And I, I think that's going to start building as, as the rest of the year goes along. A lot of pent-up desire by customers to, <laughs> to see people again, I think. Um, so as long as we can do it safely, uh, we're going to we're going to move ahead with that. Mostly, obviously, in the U.S., I uh, don't anticipate any any you know uh, international travel anytime soon. But uh, but that will come to sometime, hopefully, in the next year. Well, congratulations! You're getting out on your first business trip in two years. That's pretty good. Yes. That, <laughs> um, and. And I will say you guys do a great job pushing out information. I'm on your mailing list for, you know, your, your the webinars and sessions you have every couple of weeks. So, and there's lots of good stuff there. So I encourage folks, you gave them the website and I'll give me a chance to give it again at the end of the end of the session. But um, definitely if you want to learn more about the contract vehicle, go, you know, you can just Google NASA soup and you can find the website and yep. go take a look. Um, so, so Joanne, one of the things that, that I know your contract vehicle has been very, um, you know, focused on historically, and I think we've talked about it on past shows is, you know, the supply chain security and whether it's authorized dealers and who's selling stuff um, versus, you know, meeting, you know, emerging and evolving government requirements regarding cybersecurity and whatnot. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach those? Right. So in terms of, of the the general topic and, and, in, uh, in supporting the acquisition process. Um, we do spend a lot of time trying to uh, fully understand the, the, the companies that are selling to the, to the government. Um, and I, I use a, a example that's very relevant to today. Um, there's a software called Atlassian, um, I believe it's called, um, and they had this marketplace and all these plugins. And I think most contracts, including Soup for a long time, would just say all the comp- all the products in, in that marketplace were from at least from the you know the, the main company. It turns out that all these these are plugins and they're built by and written by you know often small companies, sometimes even a, a developer somewhere, including people in Russia. Um, it'd be nice to know that. Um, and and if you just go by what what the general supply chain of IT tells you, they they just point to the marketplace. Soup actually goes in and delves into it. Who is the actual you know? Who is the actual provider of that product? Um, we've we've done that for the past five years with with um, with Soup, um, and we've actually learned a lot, but not enough. Um, one of our strategic goals for this year is actually to better, even better, understand how industry um, describes and, and and handles relationships between, amongst itself, like who owns who, and you know what what that relationship mean in terms of supply chain. Um, it's not as simple as I just bought this co- from this company. What you know? What does that mean? What is that company owned by? Who is it? You know, who, who is it working with? What's the distributor? All these pieces. We're, we're working on that, understanding that even better. But at least at right now, we do uh, notify the customer. We can't. We do show on our website who the primary 
uh, provider's company is, where they're located, and then um, a verified, a verified um, approval process for the reseller is what the, is the reseller legitimately selling the products. Um, and I use the word legitimately because authorized reseller is used a lot and has very, has too many meanings. Not, not that, that, right. that, you know, it's better to think of it in terms of what's the goal here. You want to make sure that it's legitimate from the manufacturer or, or service provider for the reseller to be reselling the product or service. And that's what we do. Yeah, so that's their process. The other thing we do is we work with international standards, you know, the ISO 20243 standard, which is um, which we helped to develop, and it's part of the uh, the Open Group. Um, and and we've done a, uh, actually a white paper that that ties that to the NIST um, stand um, guidelines that are out there. Um, and then we also have we did one seminar uh, forum. Um, it was fully virtual back in the fall. And May twenty fourth is going to be a supply chain. Uh, forum um, that we're holding in, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, it's on our website, um, and it will be. It's not about soup. It's about the supply chain. We'll have you know, we'll have soup there, but we're going to have this. We'll have OMB. We'll have we'll have various uh, players um, to and industry and government to talk about some of these risk factors. Um, so that, that's that's a big part of it. Um, so that's an in person event. Um, it is a hybrid. Um, so it will be both in person and we'll do a virtual piece to it. Yes. <laughs> as as most are going now, <laughs> so so um so so again, it's on. I don't know if we have registration yet. It's coming soon. It's actually on our website. Registration coming soon, but it will be available for both um, in person and it's a full day event. Um, and I was, you you mentioned the policy piece with things like eight eight nine and CCMI, and um, we don't drive the policies, but we we monitor them and then we find the best methods for providing that information to our customers as to who's you know who's met those standards and how to find them. So um, that's where we really play the information um, mediator for this uh, for these policies, not not the not so much the driver of the policies. Joanne, do do send me the particulars for your event because we'll make sure we you know include it in our newsletters, you know, in the registration link for folks because um, sure. you know we have a lot of folks who are very very interested in that th- those issues and also you know participate on your contract vehicle uh, as well um you know i think now we're going to turn to um you know Na- nasa soup six i guess and talk a little bit about you know the planning for that but i i think we'll do that when we come back and i guess the first thing I'd like to ask you about is just that interplay between your program and OMB, because for each one of these, you know, you, you need to get that executive agent designation to, you know, to authorize to do it um, on behalf of the government wide IT acquisition vehicle. Um, so it'd be great to hear a little bit about that interaction and how that works. And then you can turn to, you know, what you guys are thinking about and sort of where you are in the process. My guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She is the program manager for NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder, and my guest today is Joanne Wojtek. She is the program manager for NASA Soup. 
this segment, I think we're going to talk about the future of NASA Soup. You know, it's been a highly successful uh, contract vehicle over what's going to be 25 years. Um, you know, the first. Actually, I'll, I, 30. Yeah, 30. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I do my. I can't do my math, but uh, um, and the first first GWAC. So yes. um, uh, will always be a claim to fame. Um, so, Joanne, you know, as we talk about NASA Soup 6 and the planning for it, I guess first, you know, just for the listening audience, a little bit about, you know, how you all engage with OMB because, you know, uh, uh, for the ITG WAX, OMB has the statutory authority to de- designate a government-wide agent for the acquisition information technology. Hence, you get a designation to for program authority, even GSA for its IT GWACs has to get a designation from OMB as well to be able to operate on a government-wide basis. And there's a whole process to that. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then we can talk about what you're thinking about for uh, for six. Well, the process has, I guess, changed, I, I would say, for the better in that until, until more recent years, it was a... Uh, Send send a piece of paper, you know, a, a, not a piece of paper, but actually document it over to OMB and, and hope that they read it and give us a designation. <laughs> and it went into a black hole, and uh, and we fiddle our fiddle our thumbs and wait to hear from them until the last minute. And they're like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Um, so it's it's much different now, uh, much because uh, OMB has taken a more active role in in its job. I would say is you know in in terms of of being that um, that designator, um, so all of the GWACs actually um, interact on a very regular basis with them on, on how how we're um, in evolving. Um, they had the best in class designation that suddenly is kind of fits into the whole schema that you know showing that that we're we're, we're providing those um, act, um, actions that that they designate as important um, and. And we continue to give them the annual you know, reports and, and, and other reports as needed. So they're well aware of, of where we're at and, and, and continuous discussion. And we will certainly build upon that as we move towards Soup 6. It'd probably be more engaged than we ever had before in terms of what we're doing and, and how that fits in with, with the overall government um, policies and, and, and plans um, and, and management agendas and such. So... So we're, we're we're very engaged with them, and I don't see any reason why why this will be an issue. It's more it's, it's never been an issue. It's more a case of let's make sure that we're fitting in, and I think more so now than ever before. That's going to happen, right? It's like I said, you know the best in class designation, the, how you fit all fit into category management is part is part of presumably is part of what OMB is sort of, sort of likes to focus on these days. And then all that data you report as well. Yes. Yeah. So, so as you work with the OMB and moving towards, you know, NASA soup six, can you talk a little bit about your, your thinking? You know, I know it's like two and a half years or so before the contract, this, you know, the current NASA soup five, you know, ends, but you know, that really tells you it's time to start planning for the for the future. Where are you, and what are you thinking about? That's three years. <laughs> three, well, yeah, I want to say two and a half. Um, trying, to put, trying, 
create a sense of urgency. <laughs> well, the sense of urgency actually started uh, when we were in the Soup 5 SCB. <laughs> so yeah. we started building upon what we would do for Soup 6 uh, six years ago or seven years ago. And during that SCB, as we recognized, we're some, we're some of the uh, – uh, how things have changed over the time. Um, we've always had a very basic process by which we operated. Um, how, how the contracts were um, were defined, how we went out with the RFP. I'm I'm expecting that we'll probably update quite a bit of that to to fit the you know the fact that that it's a, a broader uh, spectrum. Um, we we want to make sure that in the end we end up with the same goal that I I feel is the ultimate goal for soup when we do a the competition, and that is to end up with a set of companies who provide a acquisition path for the government for the best technology at the best pricing uh, that, that if I off the top of my head if I was to say what our goal is that that's our goal um, it's not it's not to get to a specific technology or a specific price point or you know but we want to get companies that that can provide the technology the best technology at the time um, for the best price and and the technology is the entirety of the technology. It's 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 products, it's services, it's IT, it's AV, um, it's um, it's communications, um, and that they be able to provide that full spectrum. We're we're not soup has never been tied to one tech. You know, one company does one technology. We want a company, a contract that gets us access to all the technologies. So. And as and provide the capability to yes. those technologies evolve, add new capabilities. Right, right. So the companies have to be able to have access to the current, and also be able to show that they can 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 provide you know whatever comes in the future. So we're looking for that type of, of company uh, to have the contracts to make to make both sides successful. We don't want to have companies get a contract and you know, not be successful, and we don't want to have, have the government have contracts that don't provide what we need. So. Um, that ultimately is our goal when we do do the suit contracts. So we'll be looking at that um, and, and how to make sure that that the RFP process best suits that. Obviously, small businesses will be continue to be a, an important part of that. And we want to make sure that we you mentioned the non manufacturing rule and any other rules that that affect um, small businesses will be uh, need to be considered um, so that we we have built in as best we can. Um, and 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 how do we what what scope changes do we need? Uh, every soup iteration is an opportunity to relook at the scope. We significantly change this. We significantly change the scope on soup five to include uh, much more services, um, but there are still limitations, more so on 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 the way the contracts are are set up as firm fixed price contracts than than um, and and as and not as specifically service contracts. So we're going to look at all that and see what we can do to uh, to maximize our offerings to what the government agencies are looking for. Right. And speaking of that, the, you know, you you mentioned that I you, that you you're not big on surveys. You know, as you plan this out, there is it your acquisition planning. Do you pull together customers and ask them? about the things they like or what they'd like to see or, you know, features that they don't like perhaps even and try to adjust it that way? Well, and my, my point about surveys is we're not going to go out and do a survey and get that answer. We're getting that answer every day. Right. <laughs> every day from, 
from our, you know from our tickets that come in to the to the outreach to these this these sweet level folks who who you know certainly are eager to tell us what they need um, and we're eager to listen and and it's listening to those processes so it's an ongoing continuous conversation versus a single survey that says what do you want you know right. well yeah you really have to hear it and then say here's what we're going to give you and then hear hear the responses back um, so um, there'll be that interplay. Um, but, but we have, a, I think we have a pretty good idea of, of where our, uh, where we need to improve and where we need to build upon our current, um, current offerings. Uh, don't get me wrong, Joanne. I, I, you know, when you, you, there's music to my ears when you're talking about like actually talking to people as opposed to, <laughs> you know, doing a you know survey of a point in time, I, I agreed with you hundred percent. So the role, you know, as you're developing this in market research, do you, the role of industry in terms of feedback or engagement with you, I, I assume you're going to be reaching out to get feedback from industry about, you know, the contract and what it ought to look like moving forward. Well, um, there'll be in a, in a, a year or so, I, I guess somewhere around two years prior, we, we start doing the, the public um, offering, you know, we'll do draft RPs. We'll, we'll have an industry day. Um, we'll, we'll certainly have that feedback time period. Um, we usually do some one-on-ones opportunities for companies to come in and, and talk to us. So yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunities, but not, not yet. <laughs> uh, right now, we just try to get our act together in terms of sure. what, what are the steps, what are the, what are the, what are the milestones, uh, setting up the planning, uh, but there's, uh, you know, there's a year or so of work to be done just to kind of get things um, underlying of what we're going to go to and then and then be ready to do a draft uh, out there for, for folks to respond to. And I know industry will is going to be looking forward to seeing, you know, what your plans look like in the future. And you know what? I'm, I'm, once you start putting out draft RFPs and that sort of thing, you can guarantee it, Joanne, I'm going to ask you to come back on the show and talk a little bit about what you you know, a little bit about that, those draft RFPs in the future and what you're thinking about and how how it just sort of translates in the next generation of NASA soup. Yes. Okay. So I want to thank you for being on the show today. Lots of great information about NASA soup. Uh, you know, a great contract vehicle, highly successful in s- supporting customer agency mission, providing, you know, industry an opportunity to support customer agency missions. No, Joanne, thanks so much. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I want to thank my guest today, Joanne Wojtek. She is a program manager for NASA Soup. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? 
Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.